Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. What was revealed to you in darkness, revealed it in light. What was, reveal, uh, what was whispered into your shadow in the rooftops. Good afternoon, church. We welcome you. Uh, for all those that are joining in through our YouTube live streaming channel, we welcome you. If you happen to be a visitor to our church and you are looking for information or uh, simply ways to get plugged in or get connected to this church, you could just uh, type in the chat box that you do have, and the member of the care team will be able to answer any inquiries, any questions that you might have. Uh, and again, uh, I'm glad to see you guys. Uh, I can't see you, but I'm so glad that all of us are able to join in together to have a worship service today. Uh, let me just share with you a few announcements before we move forward with the service. This past Sunday, we conducted a uh, blood drive here at the church campus uh, with the partnership of North Hills Church, and we initially set out a goal of um, having 26 people volunteer to give blood, and 40 people registered, and uh, even considering and counting the, the walk-in registration on the day of, we were able to collect 47 units. And that unit, we were told that uh, could save up to about 141 lives. So usually when they do these, uh, when Red Cross does these uh, blood drives, their goal is to meet 90% efficiency. On that day, this past Sunday, because of your participation, because of our partnership with North Hills, we were able to exceed 180% of our goal. So uh, again, thanks for participating. Uh, it was my first time giving blood in, in nearly 20 years. And it, it was a kind of, I was nervous, I'm not going to lie. And, um, but it, it went so well. And it felt good just to be able to feel that, hey, I was able to contribute to the community, especially in a time where a community at large is uh, having a hard time and suffering. So uh, we are also actually in talks about uh, potentially having another one in the near future. So if that happens, we will be sure to inform you and notify you so that uh, in case you missed out on this time, or maybe you want to do this again, and we want to make sure that the opportunity does go out to every single one of you guys. This coming week, or this week is our blocks week, so starting from Tuesday to Thursday, or whichever day that your particular block has decided to meet, a blocks meeting will take place this week. And I am so happy to announce to you guys, uh, I know that it's already been 11 months since we have been meeting online, but I'm so thankful that God is continuing to do ministry. God is continuing to allow Rooftop Church to minister to people, even have people that have not been part of the church uh, to be invited to this uh, online service platform. So uh, I'm really happy to uh, announce to you guys that we will be conducting a membership class in the year seven of Rooftop Church. So uh, starting on March 7th. So uh, you should have gotten an email if you have not replied, please do take the time to let us know so that we will be uh, even more prepared uh, for you joining that membership class. And maybe you have some uh, husband, wife that have not yet participated, but you have. 
And I want you to take the time to uh, encourage and convince your spouse that he or she should absolutely take advantage of this class. Uh, we do this. It's a 10-week course, and we go through the foundational values of this church. And the cool thing about that is that we also review and we also go through the basic tenets of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So it's really fantastic. And in that class, you'll also have the opportunity to hear the stories and the life journeys of other fellow members. So again, if you have not yet signed up, I do encourage you to do that. And again, that, that will go forth on March 7th. Uh, today's Communion Sunday, not just Super Bowl Sunday. Today is actually Communion Sunday. So if you have not yet prepared, I want you to take a minute or so right now. Run to the fridge. Go, go run to the pantry. Make sure that you have the communion elements ready and prepared so that after the sermon portion of the service, we will proceed on with having communion in the Lord. All right. I'm excited. Pull out your Bible, friends. Uh, today, I, I'm really happy. Um, it, we began a new series on First and Second Peter. Uh, this should take us about four months, carrying us all the way to the beginning months of summer. Uh, that's about how long we usually take for each sermon series when we go through one specific Bible, uh, one specific book in the Bible. What is unique is that First and Second Peter are quite short. Uh, combined, these two books only have eight chapters all together, but we will still trek on to um, uh, take about four months in this journey. You know, when I had begun praying around last November or so about what our focus should be, I was really, really praying, seeking the Lord, say, God, what can we focus on in the coming year? God, what should our hearts long for in the new year 2021? And I was seeking clarity of vision and God's desire for us as a church and then the Holy Spirit really spoke to me quite clearly about uh, the phrase kingdom-driven life, that we are to live our lives being fully aware of the realities of the kingdom of God and how those truths of the kingdom of God should absolutely impact the way you and I live life. And he also led me to this short letters written by Apostle Peter. Arguably, Peter is... Is, is more popular through the stories that are shared about him in the Gospels. And, but he leaves us so much to learn from the letters that he's written in the latter portion of his life. So, and today, we're going to look at just a couple of verses, just two verses today, as we begin this new series in the book of First and Second Peter. So, let's just dive right in. First Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Amen. Dear friends, would you take a moment to bow your heads with me so we can, um, uh, before we get started? Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling all of us to this church, Lord. God, today, God, we gather our hearts, Lord. God, we lay before you our lives so that we may be transformed. The Holy Spirit began a deep work in all of us, Lord. 
God, in the next few weeks, in the next few months, Lord, God, we really do desire to be transformed by your love and your grace. So, God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you're ready to do in and through us today. And God's people say, amen. Amen. All right, let me just share a few words about Peter. I love Peter. Peter is one of the most famous characters, and he's probably one of the most beloved characters in all of the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament combined. Uh, Just to refresh our minds, though, here are some few facts, and here are some things that we do know about Peter the disciple. Peter was one of the three Uh, members of the inner circle of Jesus Christ, meaning he had three disciples that were close, very close to his heart, and these three got to do a lot more than the rest of the disciples, and Peter was considered to be one of those three. And a lot of historians confirm that Peter was indeed the leader of the 12 disciples during the time of Jesus' ministry. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was married, and he was living a pretty good life, Uh, as a fisherman, and we know throughout the accounts of the Bible that he had his own fishing boat. He had uh, even his own fishing crew, and all of that changed when he met Jesus. When Jesus appeared to him, Peter dropped his nets. Peter abandoned his ship or boat and his family, and he decided to follow Jesus. He's also the one who got out of the boat and tried to walk on water, and doubt and fear crept in in his heart. So he fell in the water. When Jesus able to, uh, enabled him again, he called him to walk again. Peter walked on water yet again. Peter is also the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus heard those words. He said, you know what, Peter? Upon your confession, I will, upon, I will establish the church. That same Peter who had this uh, incredible uh, proclamation and testimony And he also is the one who rebukes Jesus when Jesus shared about his incumbent death in just three days. Peter is the one who wanted to, uh, who Jesus asked to go with him to the uh, Mount of Gethsemane, Garden of Gethsemane, when he spent the last moments uh, about to face his death. Peter was with Jesus to the very end of Jesus' life. He's also the one who said, Jesus, I will never leave you. I will never betray you. You see all these people, they may actually desert you. But Lord Jesus, you will never, ever worry about me ever leaving you. Later in that evening and the same day, we find Jesus denying three times. And he dissociates himself. Basically declared that I have nothing to do with uh, with this man named Jesus Christ. And just three days later, after his denial, he is restored powerfully by Jesus who had just resurrected. And just like he had said, and just, uh, just, had, just as Peter denied three times, Jesus conveys the sweetest words that Peter has ever heard in his life. Simon Peter, do you love me? I do love you, Lord. Simon Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord. Simon Peter, do you love me? I do love you, Lord. Just powerful picture of restoration. And 50 days later after that, 
we see Peter full of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell upon the Pentecost in the upper room, right, during the Pentecost, right, we see Peter just full of the Holy Spirit. He goes out in just open-air evangelism. He boldly preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see more than 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. And on that same day, all those people get baptized. And Peter continues to risk his life all throughout the book of Acts, preaching faithfully the gospel of Jesus Christ. He heals uh, a blind man. Uh, he heals a, a, a man who could not walk at the gate called Beautiful. He raises a girl named Tabitha from the dead. And he travels all around the world preaching boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally... He dies a martyr's death in Rome around the year 65 to 68 A.D. That's the Peter here. I know that was kind of a, a long summary, but, you know, I, I wrestled. It's like, man, it's a bit lengthy, but, I mean, what portion of Peter's stories do you take out? Uh, Peter was just an incredible, incredible man of God. He was such a great man. He was an incredible disciple, just an amazing follower and lover of Jesus Christ. And now that's Peter. We talk about him a lot as he's the author of these two books. But I think another thing that we can't overlook is Peter's audience, the people that Peter is taking the time to write this letter to. I actually think that we can learn a whole lot when we pay attention to the recipients of Peter's letter here. When we understand who these people were that Peter was talking to, when we understand what they were going through at the time which the letter was written, when we understand why Peter is writing what he is writing, when we really understand that, and we're going to really understand the depth and the significance of this book for us today. Not only the teaching, not only the people that are uh, receiving this letter back then, 2,000 years ago, but even for us, living our lives after all those years, it was still applied to us just as relevant. So without further ado, let's talk about who these people were. Who, who is Peter writing to? Who are the people that Peter has in mind when he writes these powerful words of his own testimony and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? When I read these places mentioned in the first two verses, right? Uh, let, let's go to Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I actually knew uh, two places. I, I, Galatia is familiar to me. Asia, obviously, is familiar to me. But I don't really know the other cities that are mentioned in the first two verses. And all of it, but if you look at the church history, if you look at even the map in the back of the Bible, which you have, I encourage you to do that right now real quick, right? If you look at all of these cities are bunched up together in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. So you recognize that, well, it makes me wonder, who's the one that planted all these churches in, the, in my, Asia Minor? Who's the one that responsible for the, all of the Christians, many of these Christians in that particular region? That's right. It's Paul. It's not Peter. It's, it's Apostle Paul. Apostle Peter is like the He was a church planter. He was a pastor. He was a great mentor. He's a missionary. He was all of those people, right? And probably over the years, as Paul was this great leader, great spiritual shepherd for them, and, and it makes you wonder why, why isn't Peter writing them? 
Uh, why isn't Paul the one writing to these people, these Christians, in, in, in these regions? Well, there's only one real obvious answer to that. It's because Paul can't write to these people. Because Paul's not around anymore. He can't help them anymore. He's not able to guide them through the, 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 the wrestling and the issues and the struggles they may have in their Christian journey. Let me set a backdrop for you guys here. In the 60s, there was a guy named Nero. He was, a, uh, uh, he was the emperor of the Roman Empire. You know, back then, they had a powerful, powerful empire, and Nero was the guy who was ruling during the time, in, in the decade of the 60s, right? And he was really ambitious, and he was a little kooky as well. He was very eccentric. He was uh, very driven with power. Uh, he was hungry for, like, just, he wanted to just establish even greater kingdom for the Roman Empire, right? But he was a little off. So he, he had this plan uh, for uh, particularly doing something within the city of Rome, and he proposed that, and the Senate actually did, uh, rejected his proposal. The story goes that the Senate is the governing body of the Roman Empire, so they rejected his proposal. So out of his anger and frustration, you know what he decided to do? He said, you know what, he was so frustrated, so livid, he decided to burn down one portion of the city of Rome. Just for, just, again, I told you he was a little crazy, right? So he decides to burn down a portion of Rome, and all of these people are now outraged. So why is Nero doing this? He's crazy. So he begins to feel a little threatened by uh, the rumblings and the criticism that he's beginning to hear. So instead of just owning up to what he had done, you know what he does? He blames the fire of Rome in the year 64. And he said, you know what? I didn't do it. In fact, I know who did it. It's the Christians who try to set this city on fire. In fact, the Christians did this because they have an agenda now that the Christians are really wanting to take over the entire Roman Empire. So he makes up this law. He makes up this kind of fabrication. He gives his excuses. Now people are asking, like, well, now, now the Christians are now on the map. Mind you, up until this point, uh, contrary to many people's beliefs, Christians were not that heavily persecuted by the Roman Empire. I mean... Their empire was so great, Christians were the minority of the all minorities, and they, they could really care less. I mean, there's so many religions, so many traditions and cultural differences that existed within the, in the Roman Empire. If there was ever persecution for the Christians back then, it was probably largely from the Jewish people, people back all the way back in Jerusalem. Why? Because Christianity actually posed a real threat for the Jews because in a way that it stemmed out of the Jewish traditions, right? The religion of uh, Judaism. So uh, they, were th they, they felt threatened by the, their own traditions, their own promises of God that had been passed down to them generation after generation. So the Jews felt threatened. They were annoyed by the Christians. But everybody else in the world in that particular region, they kind of let them be. And certainly for the Romans, the Christians did not really bother them all that much. But now the Romans really didn't have anything against them until Nero said, well, it was the Christians that set the city of Rome on fire. So in 64, there ensues a heavy persecution 
of all Christians. And this heavy persecution uh, extends beyond the region of the city of Rome. Now the persecution uh, begins to go out in all of the areas and even all of the cities that we read in verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of First Peter here. All the Christians and all the churches in Asian Minor are beginning to be persecuted. It's within those two years that we know Apostle Peter was also beheaded in the year 66. Are you following along so far? So, so get this. <coughs> Excuse me for a second. So imagine, you're this person, you're this Christian living in Asian Minor. Your whole world is now about to change. So far, your life is quite okay. You're living a good life. You are a foreigner. Let's say you're a Christian, you're following Jesus. Uh, the Jewish people are against you, but the rest of the world are kind of nice to you. You're a hard worker. You, you like your job. It's not easy, but... The arrangements are okay. Um, your family is intact. But all of a sudden, people around you, all of a sudden, they're turning against you because simply because you are a Christian. Because you're one of those people that try to set Rome on fire. So these rumors are now spreading. Suddenly, you have enemies. Now, now, now the government is coming after you. They're pressuring you. You're a slave. Now, this, the, now your master is annoyed by you or feels threatened by you and now beginning to mistreat you. Your family members are turning on you. Even your marriages, your spouse, uh, if that spouse is not a Christian, now, now that person is, is beginning to doubt, beginning to quit, question who you are, all of this pressure and tension where they worked, where they lived, plus the person that they would have gone to in these times of need and, and, and trouble, that person is no longer around. Paul is not around anymore. He's gone. Can you imagine? Can you imagine just one overnight your life is just turned upside down? There's chaos. There's no assurance anymore. There's no guarantee anymore. Your job is being taken away. Can you imagine, like, you literally have to fear for uh, your life? You begin rumors about how they're burning Christians and stakes in the massive Colosseum in the city of Rome. All of these rumors are coming, and, and, and you, you, you fear for your life. And all of a sudden, you're questioning, man, am I going to make it out okay? Am I, am, am, am I going to go through what they're going through? Can you imagine your life in their shoes? Maybe you won't have to. Because maybe right now I'm just describing your own life. I don't know. But maybe you can, maybe, maybe you can at least relate to those people that I've just described to you. The people that Peter is writing to. Maybe you're the one asking, why is all of this happening to me? You look around and I feel like life is so hard all of a sudden. Nothing that I'm trying to do is working anymore. Where is God in all of this? 
Why is God not moving in my life? Why is God silent? What's going on? What did I ever do? What did I even do to deserve this kind of suffering? Maybe you're one asking or saying, man, maybe I should just walk away from this thing called Christianity. Maybe, maybe this journey of faith for me is not worth it. Man, it's gonna, my life is going to be a whole lot easier if I just stop following Jesus. Maybe if I just live my life like everybody else, then they would stop persecuting me. And I just want to be left alone. They just let me be. So let me just live my life in peace. I just really don't know if I'm ever going to make it out okay. You see, that's when Peter steps in. Peter looked at these people, these churches, these Christians scattered all throughout Asia Minor and thought, they do need some direction. They do need some help. They sure can use some guidance. They sure can use someone to tell them and remind them of who they really are that they can still live their lives with full of hope. They can live with the, uh, the anticipation of the kingdom of God that is to come. He's saying, Paul is not there anymore, but I am still here. I can encourage them. I can inspire them. I can remind them of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. So Peter, he devotes the last two years of his life he decides to write them. Basically, he's telling them, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. Your life right now is chaotic. Your life right now is uncontrollable, unbearable. But I want you to know that you're not alone. There's pain, there's pressure. Uh, your life is filled with hopelessness. But I want you to know that I understand your, what you're going through, but you are not alone. In fact, I am here because God has sent me here for you. And let's read the first verse. Let's, let's read the first just opening. I, can you believe that? We're not even through the first word, first sentence of this uh, verse. <laughs> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Interesting, unlike the accounts in the Gospels, unlike the other narratives, unlike the stories that we know Jesus as a follower of Jesus, uh, we know Peter as a follower of Jesus. He's a, known as a disciple of Jesus, meaning one is a student of Jesus Christ. But now Peter refers himself as now, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, meaning I am sent one who is sent. God has commissioned me. I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. Meaning God has sent me here for a reason. He's saying, I am sent by God to remind you. I have a message from you, Jesus himself. I'm here to tell you that you should not lose hope. I'm here to remind you that you're not alone. In spite of your suffering, in spite of your pressing conditions of your life today, God has sent me to you so that you know that you are not alone. Come on, somebody. That's an incredible, incredible encouragement for the people receiving this letter. 
You know, when I was in the mission field, uh, once in a blue moon, uh, probably a couple times a year, if that, uh, in fact, I could maybe count like three times altogether, uh, four times this happened during the course of three years, I would receive a phone call from uh, the DHL office in the state capital, the country capital in Kabul, the city of Kabul. And um, I would receive a phone call saying, hey, there's a package here for you. You need to pick it up. Well, the problem was I lived about seven hours car ride away from the city of Kabul. I, li- I reside in a city called Kunduz. It's just on the countryside, north, north, uh, northern side of Kabul. And I, I would get so happy when I received that phone call, knowing and understand that there's a package waiting for me, a package most likely sent from back home. I don't know, family maybe, church people, uh, maybe my fiance Esther, back in those you know, days, well, at least one of those years, right? I don't know, but I, I would get so happy. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a package, there's a package for me. And I would just literally count down the time where I would have to make a trip to Kabul. And usually it would not happen right away because it was only, only special equation, occasions would require me to make that travel because it's so far away. And I would eventually, the, the, the dates line up, and I, I go and pick up the package, and I, I look at the package and tape, like, blue and red, I mean, a, a yellow and red tape all over. It's like a, a pretty sizable box. I get so happy, and then the big package in the front of it says, Attention, Scott O. Oh. In it, I know that even before opening the box, in it, I know that all of my favorite snacks, magazines, DVDs, books, ramen, seaweed, jajang uh, powder, curry powder, I mean, like, uh, everything that I love, I know that it's all of them are in there. They were all there as a reminder of people who are sending this package to me, all as a reminder for me that, hey, Scott, you're not alone. You're a thousand, you're 8,000 miles away from home, and we don't even talk, we can't even talk, we barely email each other, but I want you to know that you're not forgotten. I know that it must be so tough living where you are, ministering and doing what you're doing, but don't give up. We are thinking of you, and we are praying for you. And I didn't even have to read those words. I don't even know if these words are actually written in the care package. But I didn't have to know that, that even the mere receiving that letter was a reminder, the package was a reminder that I am not alone. That's why Peter is doing the same thing here. He's saying that, hey, people, hey, Christians, you are not alone. And don't you ever think about giving up right now. Amen. Let's move on with the rest of the verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. I want you to remember this phrase. I want you to cut out the the cities and read that verse as such. Read it as, you live as aliens, but you are chosen. 
You live as aliens, but you are chosen. And Peter, and I believe that he's doing this, wanted to convey by using the word alien here, and he's addressing them as they are foreigners living in someone else's land. That's obvious, right? They're foreigners. All these Christians are living as foreigners in these lands. But also, if you're going through tough times, I know and Paul, Paul, Peter is reminding them, hey, I know that you're feeling alienated. I know that you feel like you're being abandoned. You know, when we go through tough times and, and as Christians, like as, as children of God, like we, one of the first questions that we ask is that, man, what did I do wrong? Is God with me? Does God still love me? Am I in trouble? You know, these are the questions that we ask, right? So uh, Peter is talking about this feeling of alienation. I, I think there's really, a, truly a double meaning here. What they were going through combined with them literally living as aliens or foreigners in these lands. So Peter is reminding them. Peter is saying, you're not rejected. You're not forgotten. You are indeed remembered and you are valued because God has chosen you and God has elected you. And he says those words. He said, Apostle Peter says, you are chosen. God chose you. God reached down before eternity, and out of the whole mass of humanity, he sovereignly and freely and graciously chose you, you, to be his. And Peter is reminding them. And if you read verse 3 here, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God chose you, and something happened outside of you. Not only that, by God choosing us, he's talking about there's something inside of us has changed. See, as a, as, a, as a process of God electing us, something took place that inside of us now we are completely different beings, that we take on a completely new identity found in Jesus Christ. He's saying you're special because God has picked you. He has taken you. He has taken you and he transformed you. And by the time he places you back in where he took you from, guess what? You don't feel the same. You look different. You sound different. You're equipped with a diff- your mindset is different. Your heart is filled with different desires and the values. And Peter is saying that. You are living now as aliens in this land. He's talking about not geographically. He's saying now, in the world that we live in now, here on earth, we, we also reside as aliens, as foreigners, because we are now belonging to the kingdom of God. What do you think when you hear the word alien? Yeah, exactly, me too. Those green creatures with funny-looking, pointy eyes. New Mexico, Roswell, that's right, right? You're right, like another planet, like, well, you don't belong here. You look different. Another universe. That's exactly what Peter is wanting to convey here. Us Christians, he's reminding us that we are just temporarily occupying the earth. He's reminding us that we are people of the kingdom of God, meaning we're not part of this world. Peter established their their identity first. He's saying, you are now a citizen 
of heaven. You are in the world, but you are of the kingdom of God. You're living merely, you're merely living as, an, as a foreigner and as an alien. You're merely a sojourner, a traveler, a journeyman here on the earth. Why does this matter so much for us? Because if we understand that we are not really the people here belonging to the earth, now then the purpose, the goal, the things that bring us pleasure, the, th- the, the meaning of life, the fulfillment of life, all of these things should be different. You are of the kingdom outside of this world, meaning you also live under different principles and principalities and different constitution, different sets of values. You live with the reality of the kingdom of God. All that to say, I can even reduce that down to Peter saying, you live for God. Peter is essentially saying, we are here, but look over there. I want you to understand that that's where we look right now, heavenward, ahead of eternity, because we are the citizens of the kingdom of God. French philosopher, teacher, Pierre Tillyhard Deschardins said this. I hope I said the name right. He said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Peter really wants his readers to understand the same fact as well. Peter essentially wanted to know that the current sufferings, the tribulations, the uncertainties, and the troubles, even hopelessness, Peter is saying all of these things are just temporal. These are just merely transient things. And he's saying, don't get caught up with the temporality of your life here on earth. We are spiritual beings merely caught up in the humanly experiences, but have your sight set upon eternity and the kingdom to come and the kingdom to be had in our Lord Jesus Christ. Rooftop family, let's remember this. Let's remember today that we are mere sojourners. We are mere travelers here on earth. While the troubles and burdens in life I'm not saying they're not real. I have no intention of minimizing or even nullifying your own suffering. But let us, as people of God, as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're also the people of the kingdom of God. That means we are able to rise above any hardships. We're able to fight through and break out of any kind of hardships and trouble that we face here on earth. You know, I don't want to spend too much time here because next week we're going to talk about uh, what suffering means for us, specifically talk about hardships and sufferings. You know, maybe perhaps today you feel mistreated. Perhaps you look at your life and you feel like, well, there's only suffering all around me. There's no hope. There's only pain. There's only hopelessness. 
you know, if at all, what I've been talking about today, uh, making any connection, any, any, any sort of sense to you, maybe you know someone that is going through such tough times. You know, this is a series. This is the book that you want to really find yourself grounded in. You know, why? I mean, it's not going to help us get away from these troubles, but I could assure you that this book will help us that we can stand up even under these persecutions, even under these hardships, that we are able to rise up and stand firm in the midst of all of these things. If you want to hear that, tune in next week. You want to understand and discover the power that is found in Jesus Christ? You want to be encouraged by the words of Apostle Peter? Read through the first chapter of 1 Peter. Read through the verses that we have just read. I, we spent just two, all this time reading two verses. So powerful. Let me um, bring the sermon to closure right now. I began the sermon by sharing the life of Peter and just a small transformation that we are able to witness throughout the Gospels. As just a humble and normal fisherman, largely confirmed that he was probably uneducated. He was just an ordinary guy, cared about just taking care of his family. He was a hard worker. But upon meeting Jesus, his whole life changed instantly. And he would live more than more so in the second half of his life. He lived passionately. He lived with such strong focus, such sharp focus and understanding of the kingdom. You know, traditions tell us that Apostle Peter died as a martyr around the same time when the persecution of Nero and the Roman Empire came heavy on Christians, shortly after Apostle Paul faced his death, which he was beheaded, and Apostle Peter was also soon executed, soon martyred as well. And the, and, and, and the stories surrounding Apostle Peter let us know that uh, when he was asked about, uh, at the time of his execution, and I guess uh, he was given the choice how to die, and most likely he was... Uh, they were going to crucify him. But he demanded that as a student, as a disciple of Jesus, that he just did not find himself dying the same way as his Lord, as his rabbi. And he demanded that he be crucified upside down. And the history confirms and the story surrounding Peter's life confirmed to us that that's literally how he died. Peter has such a profound understanding of what it meant to live for Jesus. He lived merely as an alien. He lived merely as a stranger in this world. He knew that he was a citizen of the kingdom of God. Even until the last moment of his life here on earth, he lived with kingdom-driven mindset. Brothers and sisters, don't you desire that? Don't you want that? 
Wouldn't you want to pray for that same faith, zeal, and passion? Unshakable testimony, unwavering confidence that is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Would you pray with me right now? Can we spend the next few minutes, next few moments just praying? Say, God, I, I heed, I receive the words of Peter. And I want the same thing. I want to be bold. I want to be full of courage. God, we just covered just the first two verses of the book of First Peter, chapter 1. And God, I pray that you would breathe into us the courage, the faith, the confidence, the assurance, Lord. God, we pray not our lives to be made easy. God, we pray not the burdens and the weight to be lighter, but God, we pray also the strength and the endurance of our faith in such times. So would you just uh, uh, be with all of my friends joining in today at Rooftop Church, Lord. God, we pray for the same favor, same blessing that is found in your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.